on the Riabu podcast today, we're going to reflect on how to anticipate trouble with your customer payments. Of course, foresight is always better than hindsight. But how do you actually make sure that you can see over the horizon, see around the corner, and uh, anticipate if a customer is likely to leave you hanging with their payments to you, rather than, I guess, Simon Littlewood, what we so often experience that we're as the supplier, we're often the last to find out that a customer is having financial problems. Yes, uh, that's absolutely true. And one of the things that many companies do is they subscribe to business intelligence or risk management services, such as Thomson Reuters, am I allowed to mention them, or Dun & Bad Street, there are a number of others, uh, in the hope that they will get information about companies who are customers who may be heading for financial stress. But the reality is that by the time that information finds its way into an official uh, report, like one from Dun & Bradstreet, it's probably too late. Yeah? Well, a lot of that information is is aggregated from publicly available sources, court records, for example, if a company is already in trouble, uh, having uh, perhaps been sued or being sued by somebody. But you're suggesting a far earlier warning system. Well, yes, because... It's companies generally, uh, you know, unless there's some huge external event, don't just suddenly go bust. What happens is you'll see a pattern of behavior. That pattern of behavior will be, for example, staff will leave. There will be a slowing down in payments. There might be an increase in unavailability of the people that you want to talk to when you're trying to get paid. There can be a range of symptoms which demonstrate or suggest that a customer is under stress. And the key thing is, rather than relying on third-party resources, to use your own intelligence-gathering capabilities to learn about those events. But you're not suggesting hiring a private investigator or something like that, are you, Simon? Well, you don't, you don't need to because you've already got, if you're doing it right, you've already got at least two points of contact with your customer. You've got, first of all, your relationship manager or salesman or commercial manager or what you, what you happen to call him or her who should be having regular interactions with this customer, including customer visits. And that's a very valuable opportunity for gathering intelligence. How do the customer's operations seem? Is there any evidence slowdown in activity? Have people that you used to know suddenly gone? And if they've left, why have they left? Is the office looking emptier? Is there a lot of inventory stacked in the yard? There are, there are a number of things that are good signs, clear signs that a company is slowing down or having issues. And since your sales team are regularly talking to and potentially visiting with the customer, depending on what's going on uh, with COVID, you have an opportunity to make them aware of the things that they should look for. And I'm a great believer in the benefits of sales education when it comes to having a leading edge on information on how customers are doing and whether they're likely to be in financial trouble. A lot of these observations are quite subjective though, right? I mean, for example, they might have a lot of inventory in the yard simply because they're filling a big order. So how do you firstly decide what information to, to gather? And second, make sure that these little bits and pieces of information, often anecdotal information, are actually structured into something where you can make some hard and fast business decisions. Well, I mean, first of all, you ask. If, if your commercial guy uh, is doing his job, he will have relationships within the customer 
with people who are prepared to talk to him, particularly if people's jobs are at risk. So it's not that difficult to get people to talk about what's really going on. Yeah. Um, and it's surprising. And one of the general things about business, and you know, I, like you, I've been around a while. I've been in Asia for 30 years. I've noticed that whenever there's stress, people are actually more prepared to share than at normal times. Um, whether we go back to the stress of entering China 30 years ago when nobody knew what they were doing and, and companies that were major, com well, I know, but companies that were major competitors, uh, I found, were actually prepared to sit down at the table and share and share information about what was going on. Because out of frustration. Had, uh, well, out of fear that, you know, they really uh, didn't know what was going on and they didn't want to be uh, suddenly disadvantaged. You know, that, that sort of, that's past uh, as as time has gone by, but it was very evident at the time. Um, so people are prepared to share uh, when there's stress going on in the market. Uh, and there's something else. Uh, in addition to making sure that this kind of awareness is built into sales training so that um, so that you actually coach salesmen and women in what to look for and how to record it, my recommendation would be that you have proper sales visit reports. And unfortunately, not everybody has these, but these are really very important for a professional sales team. And that, this, and that you ask specific questions in those reports that have to be answered so that each time you have a visit, you go through the routine of thinking about specific things and checking what's going on. It's not infallible, but it's a lot better than just, you know, than just depending on a third party that has never visited the customer. Right, um, and it, and it's getting their information from public sources. Yeah. And what is this report called again, and what's in it? Well, um, it, it's you know, as you know, among other things, I teach uh, Salesforce productivity and effectiveness. And one of the things that amazingly many sales forces don't do is they don't properly prepare for customer visits, and then even worse, they don't actually record what was agreed at the visit, other than the order. So the focus is on get the order. But there are a whole range of useful things that you can do when you're with a customer, which aren't just about getting the next order. Um, you know, they include uh, payment terms, obviously. Uh, receivable should be part of that discussion, but other intelligence gathering activities, such as what they're seeing in the market, what's going on with their competitors, all these kinds of things. These need to be taught. And in order to make it easier to ensure that this is covered, you know, I recommend either having a form which writes these questions in it so that the salesperson knows that they have to answer them or better still provide them with a personal app which simply prompts them to fill in these answers as they as they leave the customer's premises so you get real-time intelligence and specific answers to specific questions and then the diligence with which they do that very important part of their customer management is reflected in the way that they are appraised and remunerated. So it's, it's, it's a fundamental part of really being serious about understanding your customer. Yeah? Fascinating. So I suppose, you know, when I think of Salesforce, which many people use, uh, Salesforce chatter uh, might be a, a rather informal way of, you know, gathering that information other than the order itself. But you're actually suggesting something of a checklist. So you've actually got some very specific questions that the salesperson should answer. Yes, I'm afraid I have. I mean, I, I generally find there is too much informality in, in selling. You know, uh, the, there is a, and forgive me if you're a skilled salesman and you're doing well, <laughs> I, I know how it feels to be told to fill in forms. It's deeply unpopular. But the reality is that there are, that the, the, if you look at the success of salespeople, people that are prepared to learn a methodology and stick to it, 
over the course of time are more effective than people who rely on sort of seat of the pants charm and, and, and quick wittedness. And um, well, it's just a fact, uh, you know, there's the difference, the difference between the eagle, the eagle is, you know, swoops from on high and is brilliant and grabs what it wants or the journeyman, the journeyman who says, well, I need to look at this and I need to study it. And I found when coaching that people who quietly listen and make notes routinely over time become much better uh, and more consistent at selling. So, yes, I do think it's worth having a formal preparation. So, for example, when you go to the customer, you would have a list of things that you've got to ask that would include the things that you normally ask, but potentially some other things as well, depending on what's going on. You know, uh, Maybe your competitor has, has launched another product and you want to find out about that. I mean, there are a range of things that you might want to. What, what are some of the questions then that go into this checklist? Uh, so, you know, um, how, are they, how are they seeing the market? Uh, is demand up or down? Uh, is there any, do they know anything about what's going on with competitors? Um, what um, what um, is your immediate contact there? Uh, comfortable or happy? Does he have any issues? Does he see anything coming down the pike? I mean, it depends how well you know people. Um, and then, of course, the specific questions um, that should be in every customer interaction around payment issues, if they exist, um, or, or other um, transactional or um, process issues. Uh, because, again, this is an area that the salesman will get involved in with great reluctance, but, but the fact is that they need to. So, you know, when you're um, monitoring customer financial health through your sales force, you're teaching your sales force to understand about the importance of working capital because you need to understand conceptually why it's important. And I think we might talk about that a little bit later. But secondly, you need to be able to ask broader questions to understand whether there's any medium term increase in medium term risk with that particular customer because you can guard against it. It's not binary. You're not going to stop selling to them, but you can make sure that you're not exposed by allowing, for example, long overdue invoices to roll forward and roll forward and roll forward. So you might, if you sense an increase in risk for whatever reason, uh, you might simply want to get a little bit more gentle and loving about ensuring that the money comes in on time and perhaps a little bit clearer that if the money doesn't come in on time, it's going to be a problem with supply. So that your risk is contained. So that if the worst comes to the worst, your exposure is smaller. Yeah. Right. So it sounds like th there is a list of questions, uh, not a magic bullet list, it has to be said, but one where you're, in essence, kind of getting under the skin of the customer a little bit. You're asking some rather subjective questions rather than numerical ones to gauge the mood or or pick up on little snippets and little hints that the customer might be dropping. Well, and also, you know, let's be clear, this kind of dialogue is part of a healthy sales relationship because at the end of the day you should be selling solutions not stuff so at the end of the day what are the customers issues you know with competitors with products with the market with your administration whatever it happens to be what are they i want to know so that i can solve them and the more you learn them and the more you show that you're prepared to commit to solving them the tighter your relationship will be with the customer and the more assured your, your future um, sales will be. So, that, you know, there are a number of very good reasons for doing this. That, that there's, there's one other thing that I, that, I, that I just want to talk about because I sense that, um, you know, we spend a lot of time on selling is one of the things that we say at Riabu is that you should contact the customer from your office soon after an invoice has gone to the customer. 
one of the advantages of doing this, as opposed to waiting for it to become overdue and then getting into a horrible adversarial discussion about why that's happened, which, by the way, is, is what the vast majority of companies do, um, is that you can have a conversation early on about, well, did you get what we, we said we'd give you? Is everything OK? Is the service was the service delivered? Is the invoice clean? Is there anything else going on? It's another early opportunity to find out about whether or not there's an issue. Because if you tease out the fact that the invoice is accurate, the product was delivered, everyone's happy. Uh, if you still sense that there's some issue, perhaps with timely payment, then you might be seeing some kind of liquidity issue. And you can tease that out. So this is another way of discovering ahead of time you know, wh when your customer may be looking at maybe suffering from cash flow difficulties. And again, these kinds of calls should be scripted, not because a script always has to be followed, because it's like any script. If you script it to ensure that everything's included over time, as you become expert at doing it, you slightly change the script to suit your own cadence and your own language and the way that you talk. But the key thing is that you begin with a very clearly defined idea of what needs to be included in these calls or these sales visits. And you ensure that they are always included routinely. And from time to time, just to conclude, you will go with your salesman or you will listen to your customer service person and make sure that all these points are being covered. Um, and something else that sales salesmen don't like very much. But the fact of the matter is, if you're serious about taking your commercial activity up to the next level so as to gather intelligence on potential risk, you need to, to make sure that they know that you're taking it seriously. So you need to have a prescription and then you need to gently ensure that prescription is being used. Yes. Wow. Okay. So uh, obviously, as you say, a salesman uh, don't necessarily want their boss to muscle in or to have to uh, complete a form or, or, or note down uh, feedback in an app. But you also talked about incentivizing the salesperson so that it actually becomes part of their job. In fact, they get paid or remunerated in some form or another for it. What should that uh, reward look well, like? Sometimes these things are referred to as hygiene factors. So, you know, there are certain activities that do not have an immediate financial reward and, and salesmen generally tend to get remunerated very much on volume or dollars when that has its advantages and its disadvantages. It's important also to ensure that longer term you have a skilled sales force that can do these other things and therefore you have to specify what they are. You have to evaluate them. You have to include them in your evaluation. So the things that you might want to add that may not be added at the moment is you need to have some kind of receivables measure on current and overdue receivables, are they going down? You know, something around discrepancies, how quickly when there is an issue with the customer is that issue being solved, particularly when its resolution lies with the sales force. And are, when sales conversations occur with the customer, uh, are they being conducted according to the way that they should be? In other words, are the key issues being raised? Because the temptation is customers under pressure, doesn't have enough time, you just dive in straight away and grab the next order. Fair enough. We all want another order. But the fact of the matter is you get limited bandwidth with your account. Use that bandwidth in a sensible way, not just to get the order, but to gather important intelligence, particularly now when in Singapore, for example, we're looking at record rates of bankruptcies potentially in the fourth quarter of this year. It's a good time to up the level of capability of your sales force. Yeah? And if you want to know more about that, then do buy the book, Let the Cash Flow 
published by Marshall Cavendish, available at GoGuru as well as Amazon.sg. And the scripts that Simon referred to and the discipline required to make the right call at the right time is what we help you with at riabu.com. If you uh, track those customer interactions and plan them in advance, then not only do you feel much better about the whole collections process, you'll also be significantly more effective. Thank you very much, Simon Littlewood. And now I'm waiting for Cheryl to come on and tell us that she's finished the recording. Cheryl. Yes, but we're doing a separate.